For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Hello and welcome into another Believe in Wizards podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Moderno. I've got Kevin Broom of Bolts Forever and the So Wizards podcast uh, joining me today. We're going to be talking about everybody's favorite topic in the early parts of the offseason, the NBA draft. Uh, it's mock draft season. Everybody's got mock draft fever. So we are going to do our own sort of Wizards themed mock draft of the lottery. Uh, so we're going to do the first 14 picks. When we get to 10, based on how we've mocked it out, we'll kind of tell you who uh, makes the most sense for the Wizards, who the options are, who the people that might be on their radar are. And we'll just kind of give you a breakdown of all the people you'll kind of need to know as we get closer to draft season. So when you're watching your YouTube highlight videos and if you want to watch old game film, all that kind of stuff, um, we'll give you the names you need to know. For anybody that reads Bulls Forever, Kevin, as you know, does a lot of the sort of statistical breakdown for, for draft prospects. I do a lot of the eye test, color commentary, context of their college situations and pro situations and things like that. So I think the two of us together should be able to give a pretty comprehensive look at, you know, all the people likely to go in that sort of seven to 14 range, specifically as it caters to the Wizards. So hopefully we can get you up to speed. But before we get going here, just word from one of our sponsors, Ben Online. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEF, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Let's get to my conversation with Kevin. All right, I'm uh, privileged to be joined here by Yoda himself, uh, Mr. Kevin Broom of Bolts Forever and the So Wizards podcast. Kevin has his own sort of complicated set of algorithms and whatnot that uh, maybe you can explain for folks a, a little bit here just at the onset. Well, I don't know how complicated it is, but basically it's a, a, a version of my PPA metric that's adapted for college and, and pros. I just use fixed uh, factors. You know, I'm drawing blanks on the words. I haven't had enough coffee yet this morning. Uh, I don't realize we're recording this well into the afternoon. It's still morning. But, uh, it counts. Yeah, it's a morning somewhere. And um, so, and then I... Uh, I work in there things like I evaluate the, the quality of their competition, um, how well the, their team performed against the quality of competition. Um, and then I also have factors in there that adjust for the position because there are different expectations of production based on position and as well as age. 
Um, I, for, I've been using, and I'm still using, at least so far this year, class. So like okay. a freshman versus a senior. Um, that I do that as well, even when I'm evaluating uh, international prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, I just apply their age. So like an 18-year-old, for example, would I would classify them as a freshman. If it's got somebody's 22 playing overseas, then I would classify them as a senior. So, and-, and then I also have another section in there, just a little bit of a I wouldn't even call it. So in college, there are lots of guys who are like hugely productive in college, but they have really no chance of being NBA players because there's a different level of athleticism and physicality required. Mm -hmm. So I have in there um, factors that are, it's like a very limited bonus system is the way I've, I thought of it. Reverse intangibles or something, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, basically, you know, is the guy long. So you can have a guy who's short, but has really long arms. He might get a plus one, Mm -hmm. but it has to be like, you know, well above average for that position for the NBA. So um, anyway, and then verse vice versa. So if you've got like a point guard, who's five foot one, um, he he would get like a, a little minus there in that category. But so we've got that for, um, you know, length, or height, it's really length is what I use. I don't use height. Um, so I length, agility, and uh, vertical, like how well do they jump? And then there is an intangible section. And I view that as something like if a guy is like clearly an elite defender, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he gets a plus in that area. If a guy gets like arrested for stealing a car, he might get a minus in that area. Character I used to include strength as a factor. Okay. Um, I stopped because for one thing, almost nobody ever did the uh, bench press. Right. You know, a lot of guys would just How skip the bench it? press. Yeah. And then you get a guy like Kevin Durant did zero reps on the bench press. So I finally just said, you know what? Everybody coming into the draft needs to get stronger. And so I'm just going to leave that the way it is. I think that's a really good uh, call at that point too. And Kevin Durant by himself blows that up uh, for, for all the, um, you know, people in his archetype and, and Brandon Ingram's and all the guys to to follow. Um, any yeah. thought, Kevin, into going like age on draft night for the the local uh, products as opposed to just class? Because like we're going to talk about this person potentially if he falls into our range here today. But like Ty Ty Washington is a name that Wizards fans have really liked. But, mm-hmm. you know, he'll be almost 21 on draft night. Uh, or, you know, he's well into his 20 age, you know, year 20 and uh, he's a freshman. So like, Mm -hmm. does he kind of account differently for you? Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I've been looking, I just haven't done it yet. I Um, got you. Okay. So I've, I've been entering players, but I'm looking at doing, I keep looking at doing like a complete overhaul of how I do this Mm -hmm. thing. That said, um, one of the big things that I'm looking at doing is just switching to age rather than uh, what class. I got you. Yeah, that's become sort of a, a bigger, I don't know, data point for teams in the last couple of years. And and some teams have totally ignored it. You've seen Chris Duarte and people that are, I don't know, he was like 41 years old on draft night and he's been a pretty good player so far. So I um, think that'll be yeah. an interesting. I mean, when I, when I started doing this, I think it was the t- 2007 draft or mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, the t- uh, 2008 draft. And um, they're, they're, I don't know. It just seemed maybe a little more conventional at that time. Sure. So I was using class, but um, also getting age used to be kind of a pain. You'd yep. have to go to multiple sites and all that kind of stuff. So it's a little easier to get that information now. Yeah. It's a 
harder to confirm stuff uh, pre, you know, early, early internet days and, and whatnot too. Um, you know, this is before yeah. all the sites existed and aggregated all this stuff. So yeah. um, I, Kevin and I have both looked at a website called Rookie Scale. It takes an aggregate of uh, all of the major mock drafts. And for anyone who ever links me to nbadraft.net, that is not one of them. Please stop using it. It's not credible. It's like 12 14 year olds that managed that site and they had people like Cade Cunningham, like 42 all of last year. So um, please stop paying attention to that as a website. This is uh, ESPN, Tankathon, Sam Vecini, uh, NBA Big Board. People like that are, are all sort of aggregated together here. So we're going to go through each of the picks with who's in the consensus. And we're just going to give you our takes on those guys through the lottery. And then I think later in the spring slash summer here, we'll do like a a real honest to goodness kind of mock draft for everybody. Yeah. Oh, real quick. One point before we dive in um, the, the intangible, the intangibles that I mentioned before length, agility, vertical, I use whenever possible, the objective measurements that happen at the combine. combine. And so if a guy doesn't get measured, I will sometimes go to scouting report, um, you know, or to mm-hmm. look at some video to just to get a sense or maybe watch. Is he athletic like, or not kind of stuff? Right. Yeah. And then that said, and it, I will say that it ends up being pretty fascinating because there was it, it, at times. So, for example, um, one of my favorite scouting reports, this is going back a few years, uh, Kevin Love and mm-hmm. um, Michael Beasley came out mm-hmm. the same year. And Love was described as being limited athletically and like too slow. And did he really have an NBA position? And Beasley was described as a prototype NBA athlete. And he was, you know, great leaper and great agility and all these, these things. And then when they got to the combine, they measured out almost identical in terms of length. I think there was like a, a like a half inch difference between yep. them um, on shuttle times. They were almost exactly the same on vertical leap. They were almost exactly the same. And so <laughs> Malik, I mean, Michael Beasley, excuse me, ends up like the, the heat tried to play him at small forward and he was a four and uh, maybe a small ball Kevin, five now. <laughs> yeah. Kevin loves quote unquote lack of athleticism made him period. He's a power forward and that's all he's ever going to be. Now he plays some center too, but you know, he was a power forward and nobody yeah. thought about, well, he's, he's a prototype NBA athlete. So we'll play him at three. Yeah. No, you know, that clearly not. And um, so Point being that those scouting reports, especially where you get the sort of the racial comparisons where the white guys always have to be compared to white guys, um, you you end up with some some misleading stuff. So that's why that's part of the reason why I went with the objective measurements is because. um, But and the other point I was going to make about that is that uh, those those measurements are not available yet. They haven't had the the combine. So uh, this uh, all of my numbers at this point are preliminary and they they could change somewhat yeah, yeah. significantly depending on how guys measure score you know uh, yeah probably not so much at the top because those guys usually don't uh, do the uh, workouts anyway but and i think that's a great point and just in general like these mocks themselves as teams start to give more intel out to these evaluators and stuff i think these boards will start to change pretty significantly i think most of these are based on you know, they're sort of in-house evals and stuff. So you might see some variance once the sort of team reporting leaks out, whether it's, um, you know, intentionally leaked or or not, or they're trying to give false uh, impressions to people. But yeah. yeah, I think narrative is really important. And, and honestly, that's kind of what I want to talk about with some of these guys, because there are a few players here that 
The numbers aren't good. They didn't look good to me, but somebody said they're a top 10 pick. So, um, you know, that that's kind of what I, I want to beat up a little bit here too. So yeah, cool. uh, without further ado, let's hit it. So the first uh, pick, and, and again, these are pre-lottery. So these are based on their odds at the moment. So this could very much change uh, significantly. Just to recap for anybody for Washington, the Wizards can either move, can either move up to from one to four or drop back from 10 to basically 12 is the only thing they have like a realistic chance to move to. So, you know, if you're going to tweet me later and say, why don't I think the Wizards can move up to six? It's because they literally cannot do that. The lottery is not set up that way. So um, keep an eye on the top four picks and then basically 10 through 12, I think, are kind of the people, um, you know, keep hope alive, I guess. Yeah. So right now, Houston has the best odds of the number one pick. Uh, consensus mock has Jabari Smith, freshman forward out of Auburn. He'll be 19 years old on draft night, averaged like 17-7 this year and shot like 43% from three. Um, he's kind of, air quotes, the prototypical NBA athlete. And, um, you know, what teams are looking for kind of from like the stretch for can play some wing kind of thing. I guess, Kevin, let's just start on your end here. What do you think about Jabari from what uh, what the numbers tell you? So, you know, my numbers, again, preliminary, but I, I have him fourth overall. Okay. So, and, and a score that's consistent with being, you know, a top three, four pick mm-hmm. in most drafts, not a top pick, but that could change depending on, I don't know how athletic he is. He's um, a pretty good athlete. Know, is he? Yeah. Um, I don't know how long he is even for. He looks, um, pretty, he looks pretty long too. He, he's big. And we'll see. But Yeah. But um, he did shoot 42% from three, which is terrific. Um, but he also only shot 43.5% from two, which is a red flag on a, on a, on a player. Um, so decent, good rebounding. Um, some defense, like he, you know, he had as many steals as he did blocks, which is mm. pretty good. Um, not a lot of turnovers. So, you know, he, he grades out like a, a high level prospect um, and then likely to go higher. Like you said, if he's, if he's a plus athlete for the NBA, then, uh, then he'll, he'll likely, he could, well, I was going to say he could move up, but the three guys ahead of him rank pretty far ahead of him. So. Mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. curious to see who the, the three above him are at this point. Uh, so just for some, from context for, for folks here too, like he played on a really good Auburn team, a lot of their defensive scheme was to funnel people toward Walker Kessler. They're kind of clean up everybody at the rim, rim protector. So I think he's actually probably a better defender than, you know, maybe we got to see a little bit this year too. But the other side of the ball, their point guard, uh, we had two point guards, Zepp Jasper and Wendell Green. And Wendell Green never met a shot he didn't like. He's under the impression that he is Damian Lillard. So uh, I, I think that made it tough for Jabari a lot of times. They'd have a game where he'd go for 30 on minimal touches, and you're like, why didn't he shoot 10 more times? So yeah. um, I, I think he's somebody that with a real creating point guard in the NBA who will liberate him. Now, I don't know that Houston is necessarily the place for that uh, at the moment, but um, yeah, I, I don't think anybody can argue with him kind of in that. He's a guarantee to go in the top three, and I kind of understand why, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can see that in the numbers. I mean, I will say his usage rate or his usage level was on the relatively high side, a little above average for, um, you know, for a prospect. But like you say, that 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 two point percentage, for example, if he's if he's not getting good feeds around the basket or if he's, um, you know, taking yeah, long twos and taking Mm -hmm. tough shots. 
that's um that's a challenge because uh, you know that the two point percentage is so close to the three point percentage. Clearly, he can shoot. He's uh, you know an eighty percent free throw shooter as well. So likely, if he's a good athlete, he'll finish well, um, especially if he gets better looks. It's just um, Bruce Pearl, his coach, said he's literally the best shooting forward he's ever seen. Now Bruce Pearl could sell you know ice to an Eskimo or whatever the the phrase is. So um, you can take that with a grain of salt. But uh, moving on to the number two pick here, this has Orlando taking Chet Holmgren again, freshman out of Gonzaga. He'll be twenty, like almost twenty exactly on draft night. So a little old as a freshman, but average fourteen points, about a little under ten rebounds, almost four blocks. And uh, like 41%-ish, give or take, from, from three-point range. And he is ginormous. Well, he is uh, vertically ginormous, horizontally, very, very much the opposite of that. So he's probably seven foot one, I don't know, 142 pounds, something in that range. Yeah. Slight, slight joke. Uh, Maybe 190 is probably yeah. fair, but very I mean, slight. Minute Bowl was seven seven one ninety. So uh, It's pretty tough to do. Uh, yeah. Chet's a little bigger than that, I think. I got to imagine Chet looks really, really, really good uh, on paper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are two guys in this uh, preliminary level in Yoda so far, which stands for Yield Draft Analyzer, folks, um, just in case you didn't know. But um, so I've got two guys who rate at the at the level of a typical number one, I, kind of a three, a third guy as well. But Holmgren is one of them. I have him second overall. And um, like you say, he's, I think he's going to be a good pro, um, crazy efficient, 74% from two, 39% from three. And he rebound. And he, he even had a pretty decent number of assists for, uh, for a center, you know, not huge number 2.9, but that suggests pretty good things defensively, you know, big men who produce assists tend to be good defenders for whatever reason. Interesting. Um, yeah, and his is like kind of like low end of what you would want for like a, a good number of assists. Do you think that's a, like feel for the game or something or knowing where yeah. to be on a court? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's exactly what it is. It's it's like an IQ sort of thing that if you are a good passer, it's because you have good awareness. Um, you, you recognize the patterns as they develop. And uh, with home grid, by the way, uh, you know, five and a half blocks per 40 minutes. So he's nuts. <laughs> yeah. And he's not the leader in the, in the draft. We'll get to the leader. Um, there but, are some, um, there are some shot blockers in this particular draft. So, yeah. Yeah. But he's, I, I mean, he's a really good looking prospect. Obviously he's going to, he, he has to fill out, but that's the kind of thing that, uh, you know, he happens when you get to the NBA and you can hire a chef who, who can make nutritious meals for you. And, you know, and also you get past 20. Exactly. It was downhill for me uh, post-college. So I'm I'm sure he's going to get that at some point here. There are like four or five people I'm thinking of specifically on the Bullets Forever message board that are just like twitching right now, because I even saw one today about how they don't understand how someone can take someone so scrawny like Holmgren with the first round pick, let alone the first overall pick. And to me, that just says you haven't watched him play at all, if you can think that. I mean, there's that, but there's a long list of NBA players who have been terrific, who are really slender, and, um, especially when they were, say, you know, 19, 20 years old. That's a pretty normal developmental path. It's like not not that many guys are like LeBron where they're muscle bound and yeah, stuff when they're exactly. 18. That's just not normal. So 
the, the whole thing about guys needing to bulk up or he's too skinny or too slender to be, it, I, I found no evidence for that whatsoever. They're not more prone to injury. It's just, it, it's nothing. And to be honest with you, I'd rather take a guy that's perceived to be too thin than a guy that's perceived to be too heavy. Like the Zion stuff would be way more worrisome to me than the Chet stuff. So, yeah. Uh, and especially though, like I say, at 20, he's going to put on weight just yeah. naturally. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll gain weight <laughs> and it's, you get him in with NBA trainers. And uh, like I said, a chef get, you know, good nutritionist, he'll add muscle. He'll probably yeah. over the first two, three seasons, he'll add 25 pounds of muscle. And um, you know, he, he's not going to look the same. I mean, Anthony Davis was pretty scrawny yeah. when he, when he came into the NBA and he's clearly not, not that now. I mean, you remember Alonzo morning. I knew Alonzo. Yeah. I played against him when he was about 17, 18 oh, wow. and his, his arms, I mean, he, his calves were like foam, you know, foam holes, <laughs> but his, his arms were spindly. Mm-hmm. And then he he bulked up as he got older. So yeah, that's when I say good bulked end. up, he lifted weights like crazy and got stronger. Right. Yeah, he uh, he's a pretty good before and after photo for for any of these guys. And yeah. I think even if Chet always looks kind of thin, I mean, he's still got a ton of length. He's a reasonable athlete, and he knows where to be. At the end of the day, at worst case scenario, he's like John Henson but bigger plus a jump shot, and that's a guy that yeah. played you know eight or nine years in the league. That's like worst case yeah. scenario, and that's the thinnest and, guy I can think of. Right. And the league is very much going towards skill anyway. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, the, the, you want guys. But he can't can guard Joel Embiid, Kevin. Nobody I mean, can. Exactly. Nobody can. Right? I'm so sick of that I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. The, the, no, nobody can. You know, Embiid is 7'2 and 280, and he's going to mash anybody. Yep. So uh, I do kind of worry about just guys at that height. We, we see it with Chris Porzingis. When you do get heavier, it is now more strain, you know, and things like there's always feet problems and things like that. So yeah. it would make me a little cautious, but I mean, again, he's been really relatively healthy. He's got like a crazy motor and, yeah. and he plays with kind of that, that enough, you know, edge and toughness. He'll swat you and then kind of mean mug you. I'm a sucker for things like that. So no issue with any team taking him top three, uh, Detroit, yeah. Paulo Bancaro out of Duke freshman. He'll be shade like 19 and a half on draft night or 17 points about eight rebounds, three assists, shot 30%, uh, 30 and a half percent from three, you know, that range. So 30, yeah, 33.8, right. Is that what you have? 33. Okay. Yeah. So then I must have his, um, pre NCAA tournament numbers here because oh, okay. yeah. he, he was absolutely, uh, like blazing the last like 10 games of the season from three. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, I, I would, I'm not surprised to see that number went up a good amount here too. And, yeah. and this is what I would say about Paulo, and I'm assuming he's not going to look super great on paper compared to those other guys. But it would—he'd be one that'd be interesting to see their last, like, or the second half of the season, even because they really didn't have a point guard for the first half of the year. They had a lot of really talented guys that had to get the ball, and they played like Trevor Keels, another freshman who was really just like a smaller two guard. And they finally switched to Jeremy Roach, who like actually set people up and you know, put them in a position to do things. And now all of a sudden, you know, the last five games of the year, Paulo's shooting, uh, you know, 46% from three over the last five games. And, and it just yeah. looked like a different shooter. Yeah. Yeah. And that could be something it's, it's, this is one of the challenges with evaluating the draft period yeah. is that much noise. These guys are 18, 19 years old, right? It's, um, it's, 
you know, is a five game sample size big? No, definitely not. Is a 10 game sample size? No. I mean, we're talking about, but the whole college season is essentially in a lot of cases, you know, it's half, it's not even half an NBA season, right? Like Benchero this year, um, he had 133 point attempts total in the NBA. It takes about 240 attempts to know whether a guy actually what his tr- a guy's true level of shooting is. Mm-hmm. Um, so where he's halfway there basically. Right. So that said, he does not pop in the numbers. I mean, he's, he rates like a solid, like top 10 pick. And this mm-hmm. is before putting in things like, you know, for athletic tools, length, sure. et cetera. Um, you know, decent rebounding. He's not, not very efficient, only 52 and a half percent from two, mm-hmm. um, only 33.8% from three, this free throw shooting was okay. It was up over 70, which you sort of take from a 6'10 guy at 18, 19 years old. One thing I do find encouraging though, is the 3.9 assists per 40. So, you know, really good facilitator. Yeah. He can pass a little bit. I'd like to, would would have liked to have seen more in terms of like steals and blocks, Mm -hmm. Um, 1.3 steals per 40, 1.1 blocks. So, you know, you'd, you'd hope to see a little more of that. Um, I, I'm guessing from the the rebounding numbers that he they had him more playing perimeter. You know, yeah, he played on the wing a good amount. Um, and and because they didn't have a point guard, he kind of was their secondary creator. He, he and Wendell Moore. But again, defensively, this is another situation where they had a big time shot blocker, and their whole defense seemed to be funnel things to Mark Williams, who I think <laughs> maybe we'll get to somewhere in this range, but. He's not going to be a great defender. He's not like an unreal athlete, but he is huge already. He's the guy you talked about, like the LeBron build as a 19 year old. And he's still pretty darn athletic for being filled out already. And just a 6'10 guy that moves the way he does, that can create for others, that can grab and go. If he wins rookie of the year, I would not be surprised because I think he's plug in day one, ready to go. Or I'm not sure Jabari and Chet really are yet. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, all right. Pretty much uh, straightforward here, I think, in the top four, sticking with this. Jaden Ivey out of Purdue mocked to Oklahoma City at number four. Uh, Jaden Ivey he was a sophomore this year. He'll be 20.4 uh, on whatever your conversion is for that to months. But um, on draft night, he averaged 17 point, 17-ish points, five-ish rebounds, three-ish assists, shot you know in the 37-ish percent three-point range. Um, Big time yeah. athlete. Is he a one or a two is sort of the question. Uh, he might be sort of the best under six foot five athlete in this draft. Um, mm. I, like, I think okay. that's the exciting part for people. He was like almost a dumpster fire defensively, I would say, but they had the two biggest, slowest centers in a conference full of big, slow centers. So he had to chase guys around, you know, weird screens that he would never have to in the NBA and things like mm-hmm. that. So I don't really know how to like judge that. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, th- this is a guy people are saying like John Moranti type stuff. And he's not that good an athlete, but he's pretty good. Okay. So if he, assuming that he is like he, he truly is uh, like a plus athlete, like a, you know, well above average um, athlete for the NBA, then I could definitely see him moving up. I, I right now in the preliminary without any of that information in, um, he ranks like late lottery. Okay. So 14th. So th- it, it would suggest that he's a little high. And that's, you know, as I look at the numbers, his efficiency is not great. His mm-hmm. shooting was okay. Um, even his finishing was like, you know, his two point percentage was okay. 
Um, not a ton of rebounds, not a ton of assists either. He he had uh, the, he 3.9 assists per 40, which is exactly the same as Bonchero. And um, then not you talk about the d- defensive dump dumpster fire. We're looking at like you know virtually no steals, virtually no blocks, lots of turnovers. He had almost as many turnovers as he had assists. So uh, he he would seem probably more of a shooting guard than a than a point guard. Which is could be okay, you know, if he's he's athletic and reasonably good shooter. So this is one of those. What's things, his size like? He's like I would say six three is probably pretty safe. Um, I saw him. I want to say listed six five some places. I don't think he's actually that big, but mm-hmm. um, you could probably pencil him in at six four and, and split the difference there and, and not be like super far off. And that's yeah. part of my challenge is for him to like maximize value in the NBA. I think. The teams that like him, and there are some that like him in the top three, supposedly, see him as a point guard. They see him as a jaw, a primary initiator kind of player. I don't really see it. You know, the reads are kind of sloppy. And to me, college coaches, especially Matt Painter's college coach, are not stupid, right? Like, they played two bad point guards for most of the year and kept him as an off-ball scorer. If he was capable of being a point guard yet, I got to imagine they would have found a way to, you know, play him more as a point guard this year. So not that he can't ever do it, but I, I wouldn't bet on it enough that I would want to take the guy with the top four okay. pick. And, and I'm going to get killed for that because I, I think as a fan base, people seem to like really latched on to Ivy. Yeah, I, I mean, I just just as an experiment, I just put in the bonuses for agility and vertical mm-hmm. and just to see. And in doing that, I could see him getting as high as like, you know, it's a top 10 grade. Yeah. But I don't think he 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 would not end up with a score that would be typical of like a top five pick. And that's where I'm at, too. Um, you know, if he fell to six, I'm like pumping my fists and I'm like, OK, I think we got something here. Mm-hmm. And a team is desperate for a guard and they take him a two or three. I would feel a little, a little scared for my job a couple of years later, if it were me. Yeah. I mean, no, if, I mean, if he's he could hit, to the wizards at like 10, <laughs> great. Deal. Yeah. You know, done. Cool. Yeah. That's that's dream scenario for a lot of our fan base here. I think too. Yeah. Uh, all right. Keegan Murray from Iowa sophomore um, mocked at number five to the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Kevin, you probably have more uh, updated statistics there. It seems like I think I pulled everything here pre NCAA tournament. So he only played one game, uh, which should be make these pretty close, but about 23 ish, 24 points, eight and a half rebounds, two blocks, 41% from three. Yeah. So I use per, per 40 stats. Um, okay. Another change I'm thinking about making is going to the, you know, per hundred possessions. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I love the uh, per 40 numbers because it's sure. 29 and a half points. Wow. 10.9 rebounds uh, and like a high number of steals, 1.6, mm-hmm. 2.4 blocks. This yep. is a guy who gets after crazy efficient. Um, you know, we're talking 62% from twos, almost 40% from three and 75% from the free throw line. So he, you'd be shocked to hear, is actually ranks number one at this point. Yeah, not on, surprised by that. Yoda. Uh, and, you know, a score that would typically be uh, a number one pick in most, most drafts. So um, and that, that's before, I don't know what kind of athlete he is, but if he's, you know, even if he's just like average across the board for a four, you know, for a four, mm-hmm. then he, he would grade out as probably the, almost certainly the top pick in any draft. 
I think he's an interesting one. And so he'll be 21.8 on draft night, which is pretty old for a sophomore. He went to prep school for a year, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that might maybe give some teams some pause. If you're 22 years old, they expect a little bit more production and things. But again, you, you can't argue with like the guy did good things on a basketball court. And for me, I'm happy to take a guy that produces, right? Like he took a team that people didn't expect much from and made them pretty darn good. Yeah. And so it's not like, though, the, the guys who are, say, 22 years old stop improving, right? Absolutely. So players continue to improve. They typically slow down. Mm-hmm. They're slowing down in their like early 20s, and they pretty much stop by like 26, typically. That's yeah. typical. Mm-hmm. But there are also guys who, you know, hit their career years yeah. at 30. Or yeah, 35, right. even. Right. There, there are cases like that. Mm-hmm. That said, so a guy this productive at this this level, it typically makes a very good pro, um, regardless of the age. So um, my get my my guess is that he's going to be a good pro. <laughs> uh yeah, I, I think so too. And and if like Indiana gets him at five, they should be very pleased with that, I think. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that kind of makes sense for them as a team too. Him next to Turner would probably be like a pretty good fit, I think. But mm-hmm. He's a guy that shoots the ball at a high level. He's like really smart defensively. I think the positioning was really good on a team that was like kind of shitty defensively otherwise. So yeah. I think he'll not a great athlete. He just he's not. But if you in the NBA, if you're just if you know where to be and you're in the right spots, I think that makes a pretty big difference. Too. Kate Cunningham wasn't exactly like an overwhelming athlete sure. either. There, yeah. there are lots of guys who are very successful with average. Average athleticism, meaning average for the NBA. NBA standards, yeah. <laughs> right? I, yeah. The guy I comped him to was like bigger Bojan Bogdanovic um, hmm. from a, like, remember the two or three year stretch where like, we talked about this maybe a few podcasts ago, but like Bojan was like the LeBron stopper for like his two or whatever seasons in yeah. Indiana because he was big enough to bang with him and smart enough to kind of get in his way at the right places. Mm-hmm. Like, I think. Murray can be that kind of guy. He's not going to be OG and Anobi, but um, he's a four who could switch onto some threes and he's big enough that he could switch onto some fives. And I think that's pretty valuable. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, all right. Sixth, AJ Griffin from Duke uh, being mocked to Portland. I'll be very honest. Like I'm kind of a hater and this is a dude I had actually seen play some high school games prior to ending up at Duke. And I thought, oh, shit, like this guy is going to be really good. He suffered a host of like lower body slash leg injuries already. He dislocated a knee and he just doesn't look like the same dude yet. He looks slow to me. Mm-hmm. I saw like an NBA draft Twitter debate where you know, one person said he was the best college defender they saw this year. And the other one said he was the worst. And I think that's very representative of, of the year that he had where certain possessions you're like, oh my gosh. And somebody would throw out a lazy Kawhi comparison. And then the next possession, you know, it looked like me trying to guard somebody on the perimeter. So yeah. um, average, you know, 10 points, four rebounds. He shot a uh, pretty darn good percentage from three, but he's got this really weird base where like both feet are wider than both shoulders. Hmm. So he's like camped out um, and has to be very stationary to do it. He can't like he actually shoots a good percentage from like pull-ups and stuff too, but uh it would worry me, right? I mean, I'm I'm a guy that gets a little weirded out. I was wrong on Tyrese Halberton because the weird junky form threw me off. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably end up being wrong about Griffin too. But 
Um, it, it just looks like he'll have a harder time getting that off against NBA players in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. So he, he grades out pretty high for me. Um, right. Again, I don't have, I haven't done like full research on these guys. So, but he does, I have him in fact sixth currently. Okay. So it's, but that said, there are some things in there that do give me a little pause. Um, so, but let's start with the good stuff. The first thing is, He's a terrific shooter. Yep. You know, we're talking an effective field goal percentage of 61%. Mm-hmm. And that includes what 54.7% on twos, which is good for a for a wing, and 44.7% on threes. Crazy. So yeah. weird base, whatever. He makes he makes shots. Down. Yeah. Yeah. And then 79% from the free throw line. So, you know, his base shooting it seems really solid. Mm-hmm. The thing that would give me a little bit of pause is. He doesn't really rebound only six and a half rebounds per 40. There's, there's no playmaking 1.6 and defensively. I mean, steals and blocks aren't everything, but when you're looking at prospects, they're good because they're also markers of, of things like uh, awareness of athleticism of length, like guys with long arms, a lot of times ends up with a lot of steals, Mm -hmm. you know, guys whose arms are significantly longer than they would, their height would suggest. Mm -hmm. So you get a, like a six-two guard with like a six-eight wingspan, they end up with a lot of steals because, you know, the human brain you you, you try to pass as you normally would with Good a six-two, yeah. and the, the ball is is stolen. Mm-hmm. So those things would all give me pause. But I mean, it, he like never turns it over. But he, you know, n- numerically he he looks kind of like Otto Porter light yeah. in the sense that he's low usage, but he doesn't rebound and he doesn't defend the way he did. But he can really shoot it. So. I actually think that's a probably a pretty reasonable comparison of the type of role he gets asked to play in the NBA. If like there's like high school footage of him, like tomahawking through people. And we didn't see that at all this year. And he kind of like disappeared for large stretches of their, you know, their tournament run, but it's also on a loaded team. And like I said, not a good point guard. So he's somebody that needs someone to create for him at this point. So when I say I'm a hater, I'm not saying I wouldn't take him at 10 or 11 and right. you know go about my day. It's just five or six where you see him mocked. That That's where I start to worry. And as a Wizards fan, I would just never take a guy that had already had knee problems at, at 18 because I just don't expect that to work out for us very well. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, this is the kind of thing where, too, you know, it's it's entirely possible that as I enter the the athletic measurements and intangibles and that kind of thing that he moves down. This is that, that would not be abnormal. I think where you have him is, it sounds like where everybody else has him and it wouldn't surprise me at all if somebody took him there. So, yeah, but I I have some guys ahead of him who are um, questionable or, well, they're, they're not the kind of guys who uh, are mocked in the top five. Let's put it that way. (laughs) I like that. Uh, Uh, I get a little spicy as we go down here. Well, there's Uh, one guy, there's one guy. (laughs) All right. We got to do it now. And that's too good a tease. We got, Oh, uh, Mark Williams. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, Mark Williams, who is, you know, Griffin's teammate. In mm-hmm. fact, I, this is one I have like almost no confidence in this because he seems like a classic, like rim running yeah. center. Who's going to defend. He's going to block shots, that kind of stuff. Low mm-hmm. usage, crazy, crazy, crazy efficient. We're talking 72% yeah. effective field goal percentage, which included 72% from two point range. Um, the benchmark for a center you know, being like a good finisher is 60% on two point percentage. And so he's just dusted that. And um, 
you know, he rebounds like crazy, blocks a ton of shots, 4.8 per 40 minutes, and um, doesn't turn it over, doesn't foul a lot. Those are all really good signs. Um, doesn't doesn't generate assists, so there's a little concern. But he, he gets on the offensive boards, which is really valuable, um, especially because teams now are are sending you know, they don't send guys to the, to the offensive glass mm-hmm. except maybe one. So it'd be like the center or something might go and get it. So this is a guy you turn loose uh, on the offensive glass yeah. and everybody else gets back or starts heading back. And if he gets it great. And then if he doesn't get it, well, he, he seems like he has the agility to get back. So he, he currently is fifth. Um, I would not be surprised if he moves down a little bit as I, as I go forward with this. Um, he's a, a, a pterodactyl too, like a literal pterodactyl. Um, he's long, he's athletic. He's going to jump through and over people. He's already like pretty well put together from an athleticism or from a, like a physicality standpoint. So mm-hmm. he's 15th on this consensus. So it's not like you took a guy that's, you know, 42 and, um, you know, have him, have him way up there. And, and I can see why he rates highly too. Yeah. He did have some situations early in the years where teams like hunted him on switches. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I don't know laterally you know where he's going to be at so he might have to only be like a drop coverage kind of guy but i would be very surprised if he's not daniel gafford level of a you know productive player i mean i think he's bigger than gafford but like that that style of player for somebody yeah i mean he shoots as well from the free throw line as he does on twos so yeah. you know he's 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 seems like a classic like kind of just rim running yeah. solid center that he'll be able to set picks and roll to the basket and not turn it over a lot throw down lobs and and have some roll gravity and the defensive stuff looks looks pretty good i mean yeah he he could get targeted but that's pretty normal centers get yeah. targeted teams are figuring out how to scheme uh for that so I think if you're a team late lottery, like Charlotte is the one he's mocked to most consistently. And I get why they need a center and they have the 15th pick that, yeah, that seems sort of like actually the 13th pick as well. So those yeah, I, like I would suggest that Mark Williams paired with like LaMelo ball would yeah. seem like a, a really nice pairing. Uh-huh. That's a lot of sports center top 10 plays, I think. Yeah. All right. Uh, consensus number seven going to Sacramento is Shaden Sharp out of air quotes, Kentucky. We'll just say um, he, he didn't play college basketball this year. That's right. So Sharp reclassified to show up to Kentucky kind of halfway through the year realistically and opted not to play, spent the whole second half of the year telling everybody he intended to go back to Kentucky next year, which made no sense because he was a guaranteed top 10 pick and next mm-hmm. year's draft is like considerably more loaded than this one by all accounts. So why you wouldn't try to take a top 10 pick in a weaker draft uh, never really made sense. And shockingly um, he's at least filed for eligibility to be drafted. Right. And and those guys always get that, but he's like six, five, he's pretty well built um, as a high school kid already. He'll be 19 years old on draft night. He supposedly measured a 49 inch vertical jump the other night, which would be the highest in combine history. Yeah. And he is a very good shooter. To me, if I'm the wizard and this guy's on the board at seven, I trade whoever I have to trade to do it because uh, he's your best shot at like the home run swing. I think, yeah. um, you know, he says like his favorite player to watch is is Bradley Beal, which uh, I don't know. Take that for what you will. It's either good or bad, depending on your opinion of Beal. But but picture bigger Beal with like way plus athleticism. Um, and that's the kind of guy where, you know potentially projecting out here, but he hasn't played a real competitive game. 
in a competitive setting in close to two years at this point. So mm. um, that, that would make me a little nervous also. And by the way, his last full year of high school, he was originally a like hundred, like a, outside the top 100 as a recruit. Mm. So he climbed up really late during a COVID year on a lot of boards um, because he's a freak and he can shoot it. But you know, that would also make me like, this is a high risk, high reward pick for any team that takes him, I think. Well, for, I would say just in general for where the wizards are, what they're trying to do, you know, if he, they, they could, they need to take some risks. Yeah. And if they could are getting a potential star, you know, Beal, I, I Beal can play the lead guard kind mm-hmm. of role. And this kid, it sounds like, especially if he want, is, likes watching Beal and patterns his game after Beal, I mean, who better to learn from than Beal, yeah. uh, you know, coming off the bench for maybe for the first year. And then, you know, Beal sort of moving over more to that quote unquote lead guard kind of role. That said, I, I have no way to really evaluate him because I, um, I you're in I the same boat as everybody else. There's like grainy high school tape and, and that's sort of it. And there's no yeah. way he's going to play anybody in any five on five setting prior to the draft. So this is, yeah. um, you know, this is a crapshoot and, and, I'm okay with it at that point. You know what I mean? Especially if certain other guys uh, that, you know, we all, I mean, if the wizards are picking like 12th and he, he drops to him there. It's a no brainer. Yeah. Go ahead. It's a no brainer. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, The eighth pick was technically the Lakers pick, but they owe it to new Orleans. So um, consensus mock has Ben Matherin out of Arizona. Also a sophomore, really, really good athlete. Um, he's listed at six, seven in their media guide stuff. He looks shorter than that. Um, they have a six, four guard on their team and they're like basically the same height. So, um, it's questionable how tall he actually is. I think he's a guy that the measurements will be interesting. He looks to be very long. Again, he put people on posters all year, uh, you know, 17 ish points, five ish rebounds, two and a half assists, like 37, 38% from three sort of that ballpark. He's a good athlete. He can shoot it. The ball handling is suspect. The size is questionable. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm high on him because I, I think he, I always talk about like, you need an MFR. I think he has some MFR to him. Anybody that mm-hmm. watched the tournament saw him, you know, single-handedly um, save them in a game against TCU where he just made big play after big play, hit a big three, dunked on the guy, got a steal, got a block. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, he, he's got that kind of gear and intangible. He's the intangible guy. I think you would give him some ticks too, but um, I'm curious how he looks on paper. Yeah, he looks pretty good. Um, like solid top 10 pick in most drafts. And if uh, you know, if say for example, he grades out, you know, being above average athletically, he could conceivably end up with a score that would push him up towards more, you know, closer to the top five. So um you know, that, and then with, with what he's done, because right now he's, you know, forecasted more as like small forward. Yeah. If he turns out, to, it, it's less to worry about there because like, if he's too small to play small forward, just play him a shooting guard, right? Exactly. It's basically the same position. You're just playing yeah. a slightly shorter guy. So mm-hmm. it's, um, that there's a little less concern there than there would be like if you, he was a six, two center. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Our boy, Terry Taylor. Um, yes. Uh, so that's the thing. Like the I, obligatory I, Terry Taylor. Match. You got to get one in if it's the two of us. Um, you know, I, I've seen some panic from from fans because he's been a pretty popular one with the fan base this whole draft cycle. But it's like, oh, if he's only six foot four and a half, like, well, we can't play him next to Beal. It's like we're already playing KCP there. Like, yeah. he's a better athlete than KCP. 
he may not be longer because KCP is actually sneaky long, but um, you know, he's more dynamic. So, uh, well, he can't guard LeBron or Kevin Durant. Well, shit, nobody can once again, but yeah. um, he's athletic enough and quick enough to give them some, some issues, I think. So, and I mean, here's the thing. If you play him in a backcourt or in a, in a lineup with say Beal and whoever at point guard, then you've got theoretically you can switch, mm-hmm. you know, multiple, you know, across multiple positions there. And, uh, you know, it, that whole thing about height also is just, it's much less important maybe than it ever has been. It's, it's good. You definitely want, if you have a choice between two guys who are like equally it's good, good tiebreaker skill, yeah. you, you, you sure take the guy who's not taller, but the guy who's longer, yeah. right. Longer armed that helps, but it's what really matters most is, is skills. And then the physical thing that matters the most really is agility. Cause that's really what enables you to switch across a lot of, a lot of positions. So if you're a three, you're playing three and you could switch one through three because you have the agility to do that. Well, that makes you pretty valuable. And that means you could probably also switch to four as well, mm-hmm. because, you know, teams are really playing, you know, the four is really almost like a wing, another now. wing. Yeah. So, okay, so you can't guard centers, big deal, right? Oh, shucks. So, and, I mean, strength is certainly important too, but that's something you, all these, every player in the draft is going to need to get stronger. He's a dude that I um, uh, was not particularly high on as his freshman year. Shout out to my boy Sheed for uh, pointing him in my direction here. I was like, oh, he can dunk. That's nice. But the shooting got a lot better. The ball handling got a lot better. He's still not a guy you want dribbling like 15 times and, and trying to ISO somebody on the wing, but I don't really want to see many people do that. So I know, right. I was just going to say that exactly. I don't want to see really, I mean, anybody, well, I don't want to see anybody dri- dribbling 15 times and then attacking. Right. Uh, or, but the only guys I would really want, like I would be willing to tolerate it from are like LeBron. Luca. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Luca. You know, prime Harden, Trey Young, maybe, and I think we're about out of players at that point. Exactly. So, uh, exactly. I, I mean, and and uh, this is my thing for fans who want to nitpick him, like because he's been really popular some, and then the others have to be very vocally against him because that's what sure. Twitter is about and stuff. But if he were six foot eight and jacked, he'd be a top three pick and not available <laughs> to us to ten. So, you know, yeah. just there's there's a reason that this guy is in the Wizards general draft range. Yeah. Um, number nine to San Antonio uh, is Jalen Duran out of Memphis, be 18 and a half on draft night, like a fringe double double guy, you know, 12 and nine kind of stuff. He's a pretty good mm-hmm. shot blocker. Um, I saw an interesting statistic and it was like right during their conference tournament. So I'm assuming this held firm for the rest of the year, but I had never seen a center where they had um, like a 62% field goal percentage with their dominant hand and 0% with their non-dominant hand. He literally just dunks everything right-handed. And that's like his entire offensive game, but he's huge. He's another dude that's built like a brick shit house <laughs> at 18. Um, I don't know what else he does. I, I kind of don't like that particular player to me. I would actually take a Mark Williams because I buy the defense more. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, you're that big, you're that young. And you have potential. I I understand why he gets some buzz in this range, at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he hits the benchmarks. He's shot exactly sixty percent on two points, two pointers. Um, you know, he does rebound, he blocks shots. You know, one potential concern is uh, the the number of turnovers. You know, three yeah. and a half turnovers 
per 40 for a guy who doesn't handle the ball is mm-hmm. pretty high. And uh, especially considering he only produced two assists for 40. So more turnovers and assists is pretty bad. And he also fouls a lot, which is not that good. We're talking 4.3 per 40. Um, if you're fouling a lot at the college level, then you're going to foul a the NBA potential too. warning yeah. for the NBA. Cause a lot of times that fouling means that you're doing things, either you're doing things that aren't fundamentally correct. Like you're reaching or you're mm-hmm. like lunging into people or you're, you're Slow. overmatched. Yeah, right. yeah. You're overmatched and you, you, you're getting beat. The one thing I will say to his defense here, they were another team that was like, I mentioned like the Duke point guard situation was hazy for most of the year. Memphis's was a disaster. Um, and, and you have no point guard, not a lot of spacing and a freshman center who's supposed to be like, you know, your kind of focal point of a lot of stuff. Like it, you're yeah. kind of asking for trouble, I think. So maybe he's got more that we just didn't see this year. Yeah. To- and that could be because, uh, you know, a guy who comes to mind that that's like that is, um, oh crap, I'm blanking isn't on his name now. Um, he was in Beale's draft, big center. Cody Zeller. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> The, the really big center. Uh, I, I'll, I'll think of it in a minute. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm. Oh, Andre Drummond. That, oh, that's okay. Got it. Yeah. Big guy, crappy guard play. Yeah. Was unhappy and um, really had kind of a crappy year in college. And then he became a solid pro until the game evolved completely away from anything that he can do well. I mean, you even look at Steven Adams, you know, as a freshman at Pitt, he averaged like six and six or something like mm-hmm. Um, Duran is that kind of like, he's, he's maybe not nearly as strong as Steven Adams. Cause I'm not sure anyone on earth is right. maybe the mountain from game of Thrones, but, uh, yeah. you know, Duran is very big for an 18 year old kid. So if he ended yeah. up being Steven Adams is the guy he should be watching tape of. Right. So, uh, it's that, it's that kind of player. I think we're talking about yeah. here, big, big yeah. bruising center type. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we are now at the 10th pick where the Washington Wizards are most likely to end up drafting. Uh, averaging, again, these things into a consensus mock draft has the Wizards taking uh, sophomore guard out of Wisconsin, Johnny Davis. Um, about 20 points a game, about eight rebounds a game, two-ish assists a game, a steal-ish a game, um, low 30s from three, probably not particularly efficient overall. Um but reasonable athlete, ambidextrous, passes well with both hands. I would say the assist numbers are sort of artificially deflated, I think, because the team was not good. He took a team and was preseason 11th in the Big Ten and won the conference with them, like kind of strapping them on his back. Um, and he's a very good defender and I always like guard rebounders. I'm kind of a sucker for that for some reason. I don't know if there's any translation to that making them a good player, but um, I think he's a better shooter than he shot percentage wise. I have no actual factual basis to back that up, but I would be surprised if he's not at least, um, you know, when not asked to do everything, he was basically college James Harden this year and mm-hmm. and not efficient at it. Um, right. Yeah. But he, he's six foot four and a half and not an insane athlete. This is not the guy I would want the Wizards to take, but I also don't hate him as a pick. Yeah. So he, the rebounding is is nice but the flip side of that is well one there are almost all defensive rebounds mm-hmm. and a lot of times defensive rebounds are more just well positioning but also just like for a guard going to get the ball now it's good that he's going to get the ball but it's just going to get the ball a lot of times defensive rebounds really aren't contested and 
a lot of, of much of the time when you get a defensive rebound, you have another teammate or two or three who could, could have, have gotten the ball. Like yeah. if he hadn't run in, like Russell Westbrook, I who was a very good rebounder, also was a guy who was classic like for clearing out like for cutting him. in front of yeah. like three right. teammates to get the ball. And it's like, yes, it's nice that he's going and getting the ball, but if he had just, you know, flared out to say the, you know, this is a sideline to, for an outlet pass, then let somebody else get the ball. They still would have gotten the ball. Right. So there's that, the, the low assist is a little concerning um, because, you know, he still is the lead guard or one of the lead guards for, a team, he had the ball in his hands a lot. He shot poorly. You know, it's um. Th- there are some red flags. He's not somebody that I would grade unless he's like an overwhelming athlete, which you're indicating he's not. He's pretty good. Um, he's pretty good, but he's not. He's not Shaden Sharp or Ben Matherin or one of those guys. Yeah. So, I mean, is he like Anthony Edwards level athletic? See, I think Edwards is a, like an elite guy personally. Um, yeah. Uh, but that's what I'm saying is if he's not that, no, he's not he that probably doesn't move up a whole lot. I have him like 20th. Okay. Yeah. So, and he's a guy where it's sort of the, the opposite of Apollo, where I would be interested to see what his like first half or third, two thirds of the season even looked like, because he, he did suffer. I want to say it was either like a pulled quad or a pulled hammy. Um, and, and the numbers came down considerably after that. And this was a dude that played like, a ton of minutes had a ton, like a huge usage rate. Like I was saying, like, so I I think Mm -hmm. he's a guy where like, I could give enough context to explain why he's a lottery pick. Right. Any higher than that. I would be really skeptical. Um, you know, I I saw one mock that had him like fifth and I'm just like, good luck with that. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, if, if he was hurt, although I will say that a lot of times when you hear players like who were less productive than you'd expect in, in college, and then you hear, okay, they were hurt, and then they come into the NBA. And they're one of the names that comes immediately to mind with that is Cam Reddish, yeah. who was not very good, and it's like in, at Duke. And then, well, well, he had the abdominal injury, and it's like, well, then you would expect that he would do better when he got to the NBA, except he hasn't, and he's been bad in the NBA in the same ways he was bad at Duke. And um, you know, he, he, he had to share the ball with, uh, you know, uh, Zion, Zion, RJ, except, you know, he was, he was very high in usage rate, even, even at Duke, even when those guys were on the floor. So it's like, that isn't really the answer either. And so that that's not to say that that Johnny Davis is going to be bad. It's just, I'm saying that he he did miss um, a couple games. So this wasn't like somebody explained it away after the fact, like he, he he did look noticeably worse and less bursty post that and post. And, you know, we've seen that. We saw that in Washington with, um, with Russell Westbrook a couple of seasons ago where he started the season with a, you know, serious quad injury that he should not have been playing with. And, you know, so wizards, (laughs) So for the, if there are any Westbrook fans that listen to this podcast still, which there probably aren't, um, yeah, don't come at us. Uh, so, so Davis is interesting, right? I think there's a good percentage of our fan base that likes him. I, I do see, I think he's relatively high risk, high reward. Like there's some people that think he could be a point guard. He, he makes some insane passes. Like mm-hmm. he'll do like the John Wall thing, like in transition, live dribble, lefty, you know, like three quarter court thread the needle pass to someone in full sprint. And you're just like, Holy shit. How did he do that? Yeah. Um, I, I don't see him being that at any point, but 
you know, there's well, enough yeah. enough there to be interesting, I think. Yeah. And just he he did have more turnovers and assists mm-hmm. this year. So that, that, not that his turnovers are high. They weren't. But it's just he did have more turnovers and assists. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you. I, I think there's enough there that I wouldn't want that to be a Wizards pick personally. And yeah. the person next on this consensus mock draft going to the Knicks at 11 is Dyson Daniels. And I think the two of them being next to each other is like a really sort of um, interesting parallel, not parallel. It, it's, it, I don't know, juxtaposition, I guess, maybe um, because Daniels is bigger, um, you know, sort of more solid, um, mm-hmm. lower production, maybe from a scoring perspective, but I would mm-hmm. say probably, um, you know, lower usage. So, so that's interesting. <laughs> He also couldn't shoot this year either. So um, like 11 and a half points a game, six rebounds, four and a half assists, two steals, 25% from three. Uh, but he's big. And somebody said they listed him as six, six all year. The ESPN reported that he measures like an easy six foot eight now. Um, you know, I, I don't ever see him being like a point guard per se, but he makes some amazing passes. He's probably the best wing defender in the draft. And actually Davis is a pretty good defender too, but Daniels might be the best guy. So to me, he's like Sadoransky on steroids from like, um, you know, dyn- dynamism of, of mover and, and lateral quickness kind of thing. But um, yeah. can, can he shoot it? Well, the numbers would suggest no. Yeah. I mean, 27% from three and 52.5% from the free throw line. Right. Not so good. However, the, all the stuff that you, you we just talked about, like, you know, we, we players who do stuff, right? That's That yeah. tends to be good. Those, those does a lot of stuff. <laughs> pretty valuable. And I mean, yeah. from a wing, a guard slash forward, mm-hmm. we're talking, you know, like, you, you know, the same numbers. But again, looking at it per 40, eight per 40, which is... Very good. Eight rebounds yeah. per 40. That's good. 5.8 assists. I mean, that's a guy who's really out there making passes, making plays for his teammates. And he's doing that while he can't shoot, right? Mm-hmm. Two and a half steals. I mean, that's that's some ball hawking. That's yeah. that's some athleticism. It's some length. It's uh, awareness. All that's good. Um, he blocks a shot per 40. That's, uh, again, a solid number for, for a guy. Now, he does turn it over, but... The turnovers for a guy who's making plays, you don't really worry about that so much with like an 18, 19 year old, which he is now. Yes, true. He doesn't score. He doesn't foul either, but it's because he can't shoot. So if you can, if you have a good shot coach, maybe you can teach him to coach, you know, teach him to shoot. And if you're picking 10th, 11th, you know, a guy who will get after it defensively, who will is a willing and effective passer, um, and who has lots of markers in here for um, for awareness and athleticism? You could do worse. I mean, worst case, he's a uh, you know comes off the bench and just you know kind of wrecks things with his defense and with some rebounding and some playmaking. And you know maybe he never learns to shoot and he's he's never all that good. But on the other hand, if he he gets up to be even like a thirty three percent three point shooter and and on sufficient volume, then, then, you know, he's, he's could become quite valuable. The, the form from like the waist up looks really good. Um, mm-hmm. It's, he does like some weird off balancey stuff, which I, I mm-hmm. think is probably more correctable than like the Lonzo slingshot kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I say Lonzo, because that's been kind of a comp for a lot of people where like, he's not like a point point guard per se, but 
he could be a secondary creator slash like wing defender for you. And it's a, that's an interesting comp because Lonzo became a pretty effective three point shooter. Yeah, exactly. So, and yeah. and and he had way worse form than than Daniels does. So I've come around on him. I got to see him play once in person this year when the Go Go played the Ignite, and uh, you know everybody talks about a Jag like just a guy. That's <laughs> how I felt watching that game. Like he didn't really pop. And he was kind of the guy on their team I paid the least attention to. And then in the end of the night, he had like, you know, a, a quadruple nickel or, you know, like yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he did a lot of things. And for me, you know, if the Wizards are going to keep trying to be a playoff team, I'm not opposed to a guy that's like, you know, if he learns to shoot it, he's a pretty darn good NBA player. Worst case yeah. scenario, he's Sadoransky. I mean, I can live with that. Yeah. I, I mean, he's a Sadoransky who I think does more stuff. Agreed. Like, like we said, you know, he, but that's what I mean. He's going to go rebound. And that's the floor, like, right? Yeah. Like is, is like a big wing who can initiate a little bit. Yeah. And if he's like six, eight and can, is like legitimately switchable one through four, for mm-hmm. example, or even to a small ball five, I, that, that's a valuable guy. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's been a lot of buzz about like, well, the Kentucky guards like always outperform where they end up getting drafted. So, you know, Ty Ty Washington will be better than he looked. Well, okay. The big, Australian forward slash wings that are also ball handlers have kind of out, you know, outplayed their draft position. So Daniels being an Aussie maybe gives him a couple of extra points in the intangible category. Yeah. A lot of those Aussies, it seems like they, I mean, you, you mentioned like Joe Ingles couldn't shoot and he learned. And in fact, not just learn, he became a high quality. Yeah, exactly. So I I wouldn't be shocked. And that's the main reason I've come around on Daniels is like the more I watch, I'm like, okay, he's, so, Kevin, this would be really interesting to see how this looks, and, and maybe it needs like a couple years of data, but the the G League did switch to this notion of you only shoot one free throw mm-hmm. um, in the first, you know, until the final two minutes. If you get fouled, it's one free throw for uh, two or three regardless, and then you get however many points if you make it or miss it. I would be curious to know what that does to like players' rhythm as a free throw shooter and stuff, and and if there's like especially for the Ignite guys, how do you project that to free throw shooting in the NBA and touch and things? I, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything there, but it it would throw me off if I only got to shoot once every time I went up to a free throw line. Yeah, I sort of vaguely remember there somebody doing a study that like the, the shooting percentage on the first free throw is lower than it is on the second. Um, okay. And it, 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 I think it could be related to what you what you just mentioned is just the, that rhythm mm-hmm. in that first free throw. You haven't had quite as much time for the heart rate to get back to normal. Yep. You're and, a little. Um, yeah. You know, you're, you're still breathing a little hard and, you know, the muscles still got some lactic acid in there. Mm-hmm. And um, by the second one, you're, you're, you've had an extra 45 seconds to take a breath. Yep. So that, that could be a factor in the, in the free throw shooting still 52.5%. You want better, but you know, the sample is really small. We're yeah. talking about um, 50 free throws on the year. Or something. Yeah, four, yeah. Literally 40 free throws. Yeah. And so, you know, it, the, definitely the percentage is low, but you know, shooting, you can, you can teach guys to shoot um, at least some of the time if they're willing to do the work and his overall statistical profile suggests a guy who is willing to work. So I had Josh Giddy like 11 last year because I'm like, oh, he can't shoot it. He, how can he be productive? Well, he played on a yeah. shitty team and was still productive from day one because yeah. he did yeah. a ton of things. So, yeah. 
Um, not to say all big Aussies are the same, but you know, we'll, we'll <laughs> they're all the same. <laughs> uh, the Clippers all picked uh, Oklahoma City at twelve. Um, so Baylor's Jeremy Sohan uh, is an is a guy that is probably polarizing. I would imagine he does not look particularly good on paper. Um, so I'll give you kind of the the sales pitch for why teams like him. Um, he's six nine. He's probably super switchable. He's a pretty good athlete. He was like very impactful for them defensively this year. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the defensive numbers actually look like there, but um, they had him and Kendall Brown, another kind of long athletic switchable wing. And they just like, you know, were like a total pests and nuisance to, to everybody. And um, so he averaged like sub 10 points, you know, six and a half rebounds, one and a half assists. So to me, he's like a more athletic, but skinnier Denny Avdia. Um, that that's kind of the role I see. Um, he can move the ball a little bit. He's not a point forward necessarily, but I still don't think Denny is. So, uh, you know, I mean, he, he does enough, right? Like he'll, he'll make the right reads and he can kind of grab and go some, but the production wasn't really there. And he's a sub 30% three point shooter. Yeah. Yeah. So, and as I look at him, what I see is, you know, late lottery is about right. It seems, um, for exactly the, some of the reasons that you mentioned, just mentioned he's fairly low usage and also low efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not usually the combination you want in addition to shooting below 30% on threes, he was below 60% from the, from the uh, free throw line, which isn't great, but he does rebound. And, um, we're talking about two steals per 40, uh, 1.1 blocks. So pretty good. That's, those are good signs and yeah. without fouling, um, he, about average fouling. So mm-hmm. it's a guy who it suggests a guy who's reasonably athletic and reasonably aware, not a great passer, but um, you know, he can, it looks like he, he can at least do some stuff. So if I'm, if you're picking 13th, 14th or something like that, and you're picking him maybe even as high as 12, depending on how this all shakes out, you know, and you, you're getting him, you, you might get a solid pro. There's a, the new trend the last couple of years was to have who is this year's Kawhi Leonard comp. And the other yeah. big one has been who is this year's Draymond Green comp. Mm-hmm. And it's always like an undersized could get, could be a small ball five guy that moves the ball a little bit. And mm-hmm. um, I, I've heard like a couple of those with, uh, with Sohan too. So it's, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Like there are some plays where you watch it and you're like, okay, I, I'm, I'm starting to get it. And then mm-hmm. um, there are other times where you're just like, eh, um, yeah. I, I don't know. He also, is, mean, his stat profile doesn't like scream out like, Oh, got to get this guy. But yeah. it does say like, if you end up, th- there will come a point in the draft where you'll be like, well, there's nobody that's going to be a lot better. Sure. And so might as well take a swing on, Take someone young. Yeah. Uh, is, is he fringe lottery for you? Yeah. Yeah. He's at the, basically at the bottom of the lottery. I think I've got him 13th. Okay. And, and, and I honestly think that's fair. Like I would not like him as a wizard um, draft pick personally, just for the reasons we talked about. But if someone, you know, if, if Oklahoma city took a shot on him at 12, it, it I wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, at 13, Charlotte, Ochai Baji out of Kansas, be 22 years old in draft night. About 20 points a game, about five rebounds, one and a half steals, uh, shot 40-ish percent from three, was a 75% free throw shooter. 
This was a dude I have loved his entire college career, and he couldn't really shoot it. And now that he shoot it, I like he actually proved he can shoot it to some degree. I've sort of fallen out of love with him as a prospect a little bit, and I don't really know why. Um, I, I would feel confident saying I've watched more of him than most people, and he's like a freak athlete, Kevin. Like he'll put dudes on a poster, but he doesn't use it. Like it's always two foot jumping. He's great. They run a lot of like really creative, like out of bounds plays for him to catch a lob or in transition. If he can jump off two feet, he'll throw an athletic dunk down, but he doesn't really beat people with the first step as much as you would like. He doesn't like elevate over anybody. So to me, it's like fool's goldie a little bit to be like, here's this freak athlete, but you don't really see that translate on the court a ton, but at the very least again, at 15 or something, uh, I would not fault anybody for taking him. So, yeah, Yoda has him basically as like, don't pick him even like not even a second round pick. Interesting. Like, or, well, I got to check, recheck how I do my scores, but definitely not a first round pick. I mm-hmm. mean, it's like either. He, so and and what jumps out to me as I go through one, I mean, he shoots it well, right? Mm-hmm. He's a good shooter. But there's like. When you described him as like a, a like a really impressive athlete. um that does not show up in the numbers and and he doesn't he doesn't play like it and that's the thing everyone sees the highlight and it's like holy shit he dunked from the free throw line and you're like cool can he elevate over this small guy from kansas state yeah i mean so i mean we're talking like looking at the rebounds we're talking about less than one rebound per 40 uh, offensive rebound per 40 minutes right Mm -hmm. um the the awareness stats are not there like we're talking 1.8 assists 0.9 0.9 steals per 40 minutes. These are, I mean, these are pedestrian, like mm-hmm. ultra slow. I mean, Rui Hachimura probably did better than this. Um, and Rui is, has good athleticism and a good frame, but no awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, half a block for like an elite athlete, that just doesn't make any sense. And so as I look at him, he's kind of the inverse of like Dyson Daniels, where Daniels does everything but can't shoot. And this guy kind of doesn't really do anything, but he shoots well. Um, and and I, I would be curious to see like what his like stats last year were, you know, other than the shooting, like how he graded out for, for you last year. Cause he, it looked like he did more and maybe that's role changed to some extent too. Like he slashed a little better. I thought he defended better last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's another guy that they list at six foot six. And when you see him next to like their six foot shooting guard, he only looks to be like two or three inches bigger than him. So like, mm. I, you know, if there's some rumblings out there that he's more in like the six, four, six, five range, and I don't think he's going to be like crazy long. So, uh, yeah, I, I will say looking at the numbers, I, I just don't see anything to indicate that he's one would be a plus athlete or two would be like crazy long. Um, but I'm just real quick. Um, I, I just wanted to look up, just look at the previous numbers at the, you know, the, the rate statistics and see mm-hmm. it, what it, what it looked like and, um, not there. There we go. Yeah. Unfortunately it looks kind of, he did even Similar fewer rebounds, year. Okay, fewer rebounds, like his assists were very low, About very same. basically same player. Mm. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting. In fact, how, how similar the numbers are. Yeah. That's that kind of stuff would all worry me. I hope it works out. He's like, by all accounts, like 
the nicest dude, hardest worker, all those kinds of things. Uh, he was like, so the wizard's going to pick him then. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, if he can draw up like one play and and convince everybody that he knows the game, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. But he's a dude that was like uh, well outside the top hundred, I think, as a recruit, and like kind of lucked his way into going to Kansas because they had like recruiting droughts because of the college mm. scandal stuff and. He got better. So he's like, I'm never going to bet against a dude that got better. Um, but, you know, at, at 10, I, I definitely wouldn't want it. And I know he's a guy that some Wizards fans like 15. Yeah. Different story. Uh, all right. Another popular name among the fan base here. And then we'll basically wrap this up in a second. But I got like two more names for you. Um, this right. has the last pick in the lottery. Cleveland taking Ty Ty Washington. About 13 mm-hmm. points, about three rebounds, about four assists, about a steal. Like 34-ish percent three-point shooter mid seventies free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. I, I, this is a guy I watch and I don't get it. Like I just fundamentally don't understand. And he's got decent enough size as a point guard. He had to play off ball a lot. I mentioned early on in the show that he's like going to be 20 and a half on draft night as a freshman. Again, that I just, not that that matters to me, it wouldn't dissuade me, but when people cut him slack as well, he's only a freshman. Well, yeah, I mean, but He's also playing against guys his own age too. So like mm-hmm. um, great floater, stuff like that, that I, I do like to see, although he's a little too floater happy for me, if, if that's um, a thing. No, but, I, I think virtually every player is too floater happy. Sure. And if you're they, a good enough athlete, you don't need to do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, the, the shot is sort of like a two hand push shot in front of his face kind of thing. Like there's something weird about the follow through. So I watch, I just don't understand what would have him like early in the year. People had him like seventh or eighth and um, he really got like banged up a lot, had a lot of like recurring ankle stuff. And the numbers were like putrid after that for a lot of the year. So I'm imagining he does not look great on paper. No, I mean, he still grades uh, rates as like a just outside the lottery okay. type of pick. That's probably um, where he'll go, to be honest, at this rate. But uh, that said, there are some like some warning flags on mm-hmm. him, like below 50 percent from two, yep. which is um, not a good sign. Uh, just 35 percent from three. It's like adequate. 75 percent from the free throw line. It's adequate. But he doesn't really like he's supposed to be a point guard, but five point three assists per 40. They played him with like a five foot nine guy yeah. who can only play the point a lot. So he, he got yeah. kind of shoehorned off ball a, a lot more than I think. Yeah. And there was one or two games where they played without severe Wheeler and he looked a lot better. So that could be part of it, but yeah. And it like, doesn't get to the free throw line. Doesn't rebound. Um, not a lot of steals. Um, doesn't turn it over a lot though. So, you know, it, it, he looks like the kind of guy that it's like, if he's a good athlete and if he comes in and works crazy hard on, on his game and his body. Sure. Yeah. Um, but he, he's not somebody I would want to pick like high in the draft. It, 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 same. I mean, I think this is the range where I could kind of ignore some of the things that worry me. All right. The last two I got for you. Um, our, our boy Damo is his favorite uh, name to mention is Tari Eason out of LSU. About 17 points, uh, six and a half ish rebounds, a block, two steals, that kind of ballpark, 35 and a half percent from three. He's a really interesting player, Kevin. If you get bored later, I would I would love for you to just watch like a little bit of this dude because he came off the bench um, mm-hmm. as a sophomore this year and they almost exclusively played him as a backup center, despite being like prototypical NBA wing. 
um, <laughs> build and measurement. Um, and the way they defensively schemed things, they did everything they could to keep him around the basket as like a shot blocker, rotational defender, like weak side kind of guy. And he's really good at it. And I think he'll yeah. be a really good NBA defender like from a tools perspective. He physically cannot drive with one hand, like Denny Abdia level cannot drive with one hand. The shot is a little flunky kind of, it's just a weird looking kind of jump shot. So he's really interesting to me. And if you told me 10 years from now, he was prime Robert Covington, I wouldn't be surprised. And if you told me he was a perennial G leaguer, I wouldn't be like kind of all that surprised. So, yeah. So he comes out right I, as we look right now, he currently sits third in Yoda. Interesting. So, yeah. Okay. So the fact that he comes off the bench is fascinating. Um, like I say, we, there's still a lot of stuff to work in there. But if he's like a plus athlete, he will be. Um, yeah. He, he could know, be this that, year's like Patrick Williams from the like, holy shit, he's now, you know, uh, he's moved up 10 spots on the mock drafts. It, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, like if I were the, if, if the Wizards are sitting there 10th, right? Mm -hmm. And, and Tari Eason is sitting there on the board. They, they could do a lot worse, I think, than picking him. So the, the stuff with him like coming off the bench, it actually makes me think of another guy who had a top five score in Yoda, um, in, retrospectively, just using the data that was available at the time, mm -hmm. who went, I think he was drafted in the second round, bounced around a little bit, and he's still playing in the league now in his old age. It was Danny Green. Yeah. Um, it was a guy who, uh, you know, like I said, came off the bench, except that was a four-year guy. Um, he's not that, but when I look at him, so one, he, he's very efficient and pretty high usage. I mean, we're talking, you know, more than 22 possessions per 40 minutes that he's using, um, shot the ball pretty well from, from two and three and the free throw line, we're talking 80% free throw shooter and he rebounds in 3.2 steals per 40 minutes. I mean, Great. and, uh, 1.8 blocks. This is a guy, he's pretty disruptive. Now he turns it over a lot. Doesn't, he's not a much of a playmaker. So those are, you know, some cautions. Uh, he also fouls a lot, but he's, he's, he's in that category of a guy who's doing a lot of stuff. I mean, you're over three steals per 40 and you're active, you know, that's an active, aggressive defender who's disruptive and um, steals that high. That, that That's a really good sign. To be he's like, I was higher than most people last year on Franz Wagner, like the shooting threw people off and he's just a guy or whatever, but he, he blocked more shots than people expected. He's got more steals than people expected. Like he could guard multiple positions. So like I had really talked myself into Eason early in the year. And then the more I watched, I just kept being like confused. Um, he, he gets kind of, he, he looks like he has no idea where he is sometimes. And then he'll somehow recover and swat a guy into the, like the eighth row. And you're like, okay, I, I don't know how that'll work in the NBA, but He's just re he might be the guy I find kind of most interesting to see where he'll be five years from now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the numbers, like I say, the, the, yeah. the markers are there for things like athleticism mm -hmm. and awareness and aggression. There's a lot of good stuff there. Even the turnovers, like I say, you don't worry so much about those uh, for younger players because a lot of times that's a sign of a guy trying to do things. And so, um, yeah, there are there are guys I like better than him, like Ben Mather and people like that, especially like a Shaden Sharp, if we could get up to it. But um, and maybe Daniels is the safer pick to me. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, if some of those guys are off the board, 
I actually like Eason as a pick more than I like like AJ Griffin um, personally, but um, yeah, you know, I, I also think he's a guy you could maybe, you know, trade down for potentially. I don't know. Again, I, I think workouts might kind of favor him just because I think he'll he'll look really good in like those kind of settings. Um, all right, last name, and then I'll get you out of here because we went way longer than I expected. Uh, this is a guy I really like that I'm kind of convinced Yoda might hate, but Malachi Branham out of Ohio State. Uh, do you have him in here yet? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I do, and he he grades basically like a late first. Okay. Well, I so, mean that could be where he ends up. So, for anybody not familiar, um, a freshman for Ohio State, two three kind of player, averaged about fourteen points, three and a half rebounds, two assists, uh, shot low forties from three, um, mid he had eighty three percent from the free throw line. Yeah. This is a dude that really came on late the second half of the year, too, as he kind of figured it out. It was EJ, EJ Liddell, kind of a small ball four playing next to him a lot. It was Liddell's team, and it kind of became Branham's team as the year went on. Again, he makes some like sneaky, oppressive passes, even though there aren't a ton of them, but they're reads like not everybody can make. And I just really, really buy the shooting. And I, I think that this is a guy that's going to like be able to score and score a lot of ways uh, at the NBA level. Yeah. I know one. Uh, yeah. The shooting is when you're shooting 83% from, uh, from, from the free throw line and 42% from three, yeah. the shooting's probably pretty legit. Yeah. Right. The thing to be concerned about a little bit with him is just, and the reason why he's like in the twenties in, in Yoda is the, the the rebounding's not very good. Yep. The, the not many assists, you know, and also not very many, uh, you know, steals or blocks. So he's not like super active. But that said, there there are there's a role for guys who can flat out shoot it. And you know, if you're uh, if if he can shoot it like this, if he's a forty percent three point shooter on on good volume, you know, he'll find a role in the NBA. The ball handling's got to improve. Like he and and Oz and I've talked about this a little bit here too. Like he kind of does that like turn a shoulder to a guy sometimes thing, but he also shoots those turnarounds at like a pretty high percentage and stuff too. So I'm not um, like as worried about it mm-hmm. because he even makes a lot of tough shots too, uh, which at that age. So like the the comp has been like um, maybe a stockier Chris Middleton type. Mm-hmm. Um, so I. I I'll be interested to see. He's supposedly got a seven foot wingspan. Doesn't look like the most dynamic athlete, but he's mm-hmm. long. Um, so we'll we'll see how that actually translates. But he he was a dude that I bet if he looked at the second half of the year, he would he would look um even better too. Yeah, I will say this that his um overall offensive efficiency was relatively low for a guy who can shoot it like that. Interesting. Um, which yeah, you know, turnovers not super high. Um, but they were maybe a touch elevated for his usage level. I'm just looking to to, to see real quick. Um, yeah, for such a terrific shooter, when it was almost when it was more than two to one, taking twos instead of threes. So mm-hmm. he only had 89 three point attempts on the season. Yeah, there were not a ton, um, and there were a lot of long contested twos uh, also. Yeah, so so he, he, shot selection is going to be big there, but. Um, it, he just, 
he'll he'll make moves that you don't see. You know what I mean? Like he'll finish some shots that you don't see a lot of guys finish. And I, I think yeah. that's why and he does get the, you know, he's not like he does it's not like he's a free throw machine, but where he was over four for forty. So yeah. he 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 does draw some fouls. Uh any other guys that are particularly high on Yoda you want to mention here that we haven't talked about that are guys that like the the numbers say we should be um you know looking into that maybe kind of aren't uh currently <laughs> slated in the range we're talking about. So there's one guy I don't think we've talked about yet. Um, he currently sits right at, right below, uh, just below Dyson Daniels. So what's that? 12th overall. And that is point guard from Tennessee. Kennedy, oh, Kennedy Chandler. Chandler. I love me some Kennedy Chandler, but he's short, Kevin. Like this is why he's getting killed. He's like maybe 5'11". Yeah. So, okay. That would knock him down a little bit. But even if I put in the negative for height mm-hmm. or for length, then he's, he still rates as like a solid first round pick. Um, and it's funny because it's not like he is like offensive rating. His offensive efficiency is not great. Um, decent shooter from three, not he's a, a ball free throw he's, shooter. He's a ball honk. He shoots some threes. Um, good assist numbers. The rebounds um, actually aren't bad for being a short little dude. Yeah. Uh, th- yeah. Th- but I mean, the two to one assist ratio, assist turnover ratio. Um, like you said, ball hawk, 2.8 steals. Oh, you know what? We, there's one other guy we got to talk about too. Just um, real quick, last thing on Chandler for anybody. This guy, like his number one stat is just like a W. At like at, If you look at like every level this guy's played at, his team just wins everything. And they said when they split up like teams, even if they put him with like all like reserves in like practice and stuff, his team won like every game. But, you know, one under 19, one EYBL, one in high school, like one in AAU the college team was pretty darn good this year. Like um, he's a guy that if we ended up, you know, late in the first round again this year, um, I'd rather see them use the 22nd pick on him than trade down to 31 or something. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I mean, like winning, it's always talked about as a skill. I'm pretty dubious about that. I think players do do things that influence winning, but they don't like cause winning. That said, a guy who wins at every level, at every level, including like in practice, you put the scrubs, you know, you put the managers on the floor with them. He still beats you. (laughs) You're doing something. Yeah. Yeah. There's something. I mean, it reminds me actually a little bit of stories that I heard about Tyrese Halliburton Mm -hmm. in in like the pre-draft workouts where one, his teammates all everywhere he goes, they freaking adore him. But when he went to workouts, the, 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 the players, that he was theoretically competing against wanted to go to workouts with him again because he, he made was them so look positive. better too. <laughs> yeah. And he helped, he, they, they just, the energy level was higher and everybody basically did their best when he was there. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of value in that sort yeah. of thing. So, um, but the other guy I want to, we, we got to touch on, you mentioned him early in the, in the uh, conversation, that's Walker Kessler. Mm. Um, I, I don't know where he's going to end up, <laughs> but or even if he's going to stay in the draft, but this guy, he's definitely, he's definitely all in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. he's a block. Okay. He's a block machine. Like literally everything. <laughs> See, we're talking seven blocks per 40 minutes and th- that, which is outlandish. That's yeah. just a ridiculous number. And so, and that's, and with four fouls. So he, he does foul a little bit, but seven blocks and 1.7 steals. So this guy is getting after it defensively. Um, and he also gets on the offensive glass. We're talking mm-hmm. four offensive boards per 40, um, an eight and a half defensive rebounds as well. So he's, you know, he, he looks like a pretty good player to be honest, 70% shooting from two, um, you know, doesn't shoot free throws well, but you know, 
here's the thing. It seems like he's probably going to be what a second round pick. No, he'll go late first. I think like a lot of places have him kind of, I don't know. A lot of the, the more reputable places seem to have him in the twenties. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, he was on our consensus mock has him 26th, 26th. Okay. So yeah, that's the kind of guy I think, you know, that some team might pick him, you know, 25th, 26th, 27th, something like that. And it would be like, wow, this guy is a terrific 14 minutes per game backup center. And then like two years, three years from now, it's like, damn, where did this guy come from? So he's, he's a good player. For anybody not familiar with the background there, he was a five-star recruit that went to North Carolina. And that's a team that plays two traditional bigs anyway. And he could still barely get on the court, transferred to Auburn. And they were just like, dude, just, just be huge just and be vertical. And they made him like stand there and just be as tall and upright as he could. And he's really good at like not fouling in those situations. I think the fouls come from he's very slow footed and they spent a lot of time working on him with like lateral quickness and stuff. But he's also a guy that shot threes at the high school level at like a pretty high clip. And we didn't see any of that this year, but if he was like a theoretical Brooke Lopez kind of his story, you know, where like he developed the touch over time, mm-hmm. I would not actually be shocked by that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because looking at him and hearing what you just described, it made me think of Brooke Lopez and, yeah. you know, that seems just about the right spot for Milwaukee yep. to be picking. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they know if they have a first round pick uh, this year. Uh, that's a great question. I actually don't know off the top of my head either. But this is also the kind of guy that I could see, like, if you're, if you've got a chance to buy into late first or yep. early second round and he's sitting there, you could take him he, and he seems to have the, the makings of at least a minimally competent backup center and maybe better than that. Um, because he, like I say, when you're blocking seven shots per 40, you're, you're getting after it. We talked about this year being like a loaded shot blocking year. You've got them and Mark Williams and even Tari, and Tari Eason. Um, Christian Coloco out of Arizona is another one. He's like a literal block machine. He, he's probably an early second round pick. I had to guess, but another seven foot guy probably a better athlete than Kessler. So there's a lot of those dudes. So if you're looking for like a backup center that comes in and is big and protects the rim, um, there's a ton of those dudes. And, uh, you know, so wizards keep that in mind. Somebody's going to drop into the second round here and stuff too. And I wouldn't be opposed to a, a third big coming in the second round. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. If there's, um, more guys you want to hear us talk about as the, um, draft stuff really ramps up here, like Kevin and I know, uh, rate, review, subscribe, all this stuff. Hit us up, um, you know, the Bolts Forever, Bolts Forever Twitter account and stuff too, and and we'll um, we'll get you some more, sp- you know, specific coverage on on anybody you think the Wizards should be uh, keeping an eye on. All right, till next time. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones 
who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.